April 16th reading of the One Year Bible. My name is Blake Farley, and I want to thank you for joining me for our podcast, Reading Through the Bible Together. We're going to jump into our Old Testament reading, Joshua chapter 13 and chapter 14. Let's begin with verse 1 in chapter 13. When Joshua was an old man, the Lord said to him, You are growing old, and much land remains to be conquered. This is the territory that remains, all the regions of the Philistines and the Geshurites, and the larger territory of the Canaanites extending from the stream of Sihor on the border of Egypt northward to the boundary of Ekron. It includes the territory of the five Philistine rulers of Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Goth, and Ekron. The land of the Avites in the south also remains to be conquered. In the north, the following areas has not yet been conquered. All the land of the Canaanites, including Merah, which belongs to the Sidians, stretching northward to Apek on the border of the Amorites, the land of the Gebulites and all the, the Lebanon mountain area to the east from Baal Gadad, below Mount Hermon to Lebo Harmeth, and all the hill country from Lebanon to Meseroth Merim, including all the land of the Sidians. I myself will drive these people out of the land ahead of the Israelites, so be sure to give this land to Israel as a special possession just as I have commanded you. Include all this territory as Israel's possession when you possession when you divide this land among the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Half the tribe of Manasseh and the tribes of Reuben and Gad had already received their grants of land on the east side of the Jordan for Moses, the servant of the Lord, had previously assigned this land to them. Their territory extended from Aor on the edge of the Arnon Gorge, including the town in the middle of the gorge, to the plain beyond Mebeda as far as Dibon. It also included all the towns of King Sion of the Amorites, who had, resi- who had reigned in Heshbon and extended as far as the borders of Amnon. It included Gilead, the territory of the kingdoms of Gershur and Mecca, all of Mount Hernan, all of Baskin as far as Selica, and all the territory of the king, uh, all the territory of, I'm sorry, folks, for um, not being able to read today, all the territory of King Og of Bashan, who had reigned in Aserah and Edera. King Og was the last of the Raphites, for Moses had attacked them and driven them out. But the Israelites failed to drive out the people of Geshur and Mecca, so they continued to live among the Israelites to this day. Moses did not assign any allotment of land to the tribe of Levi. Instead, as the Lord had promised them, their allotment came from the offerings burned on the altar to the Lord and the God of Israel. Moses had assigned the following area to the clans of the tribe of Reuben. Their territory extended from Aor on the edge of the Arnon Gorge, including the town in the middle of the gorge, to the plain of Medaba. It included Heshon and the other towns of the plain, Dibon, Bebenath, Beth, Baalmion, Jehekon, Kedemoth, Mepathah, Kiriathum, Sibia, Zareth Sharon, on the hill above the valley, Beth Epior, the slopes of Pishkin, and Beth Jesimoth. The land of Reuben also included all the towns of the plain and the entire kingdom of Sion. Sion was the Amorite king who had reigned in Heshbon and was killed by Moses along with the leaders of Midian. Evi, Rechem, Zer, Hur, and Reba, princes living in the region who were allied with Sihon. The Israelites had also killed Balaam, son of Beor, who used his magic to tell the future. The Jordan River marked the western boundary for the tribe of Reuben. 
The towns and their surrounding villages in this area were given as a homeland to the clans of the tribe of Reuben. Moses had assigned the following areas to the clans of the tribe of Gad. Their territory included Jezir, all the towns of Gilead, and half the land of Ammon, as far as the town of Aor, just west of Reba. It extended from Heshbon to Ramath Misseth and Betalminim, and from Mehem to the territory of Lodibir. In the valley were Betharim, Bethnemer, Succoth, Zaphathon, and the rest of the kingdom of King Sihon of Heshbon. The western boundary ran along the Jordan River and extended as far north as the tip of the Sea of Galilee, and then turned eastward. The towns and their surrounding villages in this area were given as a homeland to the clans of the tribe of Gad. Moses had assigned the following areas to the clans of the half-tribe of Manasseh. Their territory extended from Mehanah, including all of Bashan and all the former kingdom of King Og, and the sixty towns of Jar in Bashan. It also included half of Gilead and King Og's royal cities of Ashan and Edari. All this was given to the clans of the descendants of Machir, who was Manasseh's son. These are the allotments Moses had made while he was on the plains of Moab across the Jordan River east of Jericho. But Moses gave no allotment of the land to the tribe of Levi, for the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised that he himself would be their allotment. Now moving on to chapter 14, starting in verse 1. The remaining tribes of Israel received land in Canaan as allotted by Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the tribal leaders. These nine and a half tribes received their grants of land by means of sacred lots, in accordance with the Lord's command through Moses. Moses had already given a grant of land to the two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan River, but he had given the Levites no such allotment. The descendants of Joseph had become two separate tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. And the Levites were given no land at all, only towns to live in with surrounding pasture land for their livestock and all their possessions. So the land was distributed in strict accordance with the Lord's commands to Moses. A delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb's son of Jephunneh, the Kezanite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever, because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive, and, well, as he has promised, for all these 40 years, 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today, I am 85 years old. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. Wow, that's, that's one awesome 85-year-old. He's like, I could still travel and fight like I could when I was 40. I hope I'm like that. That's awesome. Verse 12, it's like Chuck Norris in the Bible. Verse 12, So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord has said. Ooh, that's a good verse. If the Lord is with you, he'll do just what he says he'll do. Verse 13, So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephah, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of the land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephah the Kezanite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. 
Previously, Hebron had been called Kareth Arba. It had been named after Arba, a great hero of the descendants of Anak. The land had rest from war. That concludes the Old Testament reading for today. Moving on to the New Testament, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in the dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant replies. Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Let's pause. What's going on there? This is a weird uh, parable. If you don't really think about it, um, you can be like, what in the world is, is, is this Jesus saying that we should just nag God and eventually he'll give in and give us what we want? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that you know even a bad judge, if you if you pestered him enough, would give you justice. God is the ultimate good just good judge. He's the just judge. So um, of course, if we ask, we're going to get just judgment. We're going to get the justice we we want, the justice we deserve, the justice God wants to give us. Not always what we ask for, but it's always what we actually need. Verse nine. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you this, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's pause. How do you get into the kingdom of God, my friends? Is it by doing a whole bunch of things so that you can be justified or made right before God? No, no. What is God looking for? A humble heart. Somebody who's trusting in him with all that they have. They're leaning on him. They're saying, God, if not for you, I have no hope. And we have a hope. And his name is Jesus. He came and lived the life we couldn't live. Uh, He justifies us before God. If we accept his sacrifice and trust in him, repent from our own wisdom of life to his wisdom, Uh, We are justified before God based upon what Jesus has done. It's called the gospel. It's good news. We're freed from guilt and shame of our past sins. We're given a Holy Spirit for power on God's mission now. Uh, We're given the Holy Spirit to help us discover our own purpose and begin to live fulfilled. We have the Holy Spirit in us to transform and sanctify us so that we look more and more like Jesus each day. And ultimately, we have a future hope in which we await when there is no more sin or sickness in this world and we are fully in the kingdom of God, walking with God and walking with God's people in perfect, restored creation. How do we get that? It's not by doing the right things. No, it, it, it's, no it's, it's, it's about trusting in Jesus. Now, the really interesting thing is when you begin to trust in Jesus, the right things begin to follow. But don't ever, 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 ever think you are doing right things to earn God's love. Because you have God's love, you may begin to do righteous things. Verse 15. 
One day, some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these little children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Moving on to the proverb of the day. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 7 and 8. Some who are poor pretend to be rich. Others who are rich pretend to be poor. The rich can pay a ransom for their lives, but the poor won't even get threatened. And we will be praying through the 85th Psalm today. And I would encourage you to take some time to pray through this in your own time. Uh, It is a little bit longer, so I'm just going to read it and pray at the end. Lord, you poured out blessings on your land. You restored the fortunes of Israel. You forgave the guilt of your people. Yes, you covered all their sins. Interlude. You held back your fury. You kept back your blazing anger. Now restore us again, O God of our salvation. Put aside your anger against us once more. Will you be angry with us always? Will you prolong your wrath to all generations? Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord. Grant us your salvation. I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. But let them not return to their foolish ways. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, so our land will be filled with his glory. Unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth springs up from the earth. Righteousness smiles down from heaven. Yes, the Lord pours down his blessings. Our Lord will yield its bountiful harvest. Our land will yield its bountiful harvest. Righteousness goes as a herald before him, preparing the way for his steps. And Lord, thank you um, that ultimate righteousness Jesus has went before us and prepared our steps. So that this psalm is even more true to us than this Israelite psalmist could have ever even realized. Um, You have made a way of salvation. You've covered our sins. You have forgiven us. You've given us a way to escape our foolish way of life into a fulfilled, peaceful life. And that is through the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that today Christians listening to my voice would believe that all the more and be transformed. And I pray that those who have never trusted in Jesus would, maybe for the first time in their lives, trust in him with everything and begin to experience salvation, find peace, no purpose, and live fulfilled like only you can provide. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. hope to see you back here tomorrow for another episode of Reading Through the Bible Together.